Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Romans 5 and verse 12. And make sure that you have a Bible in front of you today. Um, if you didn't bring one, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. And you're going to need it uh, to be able to appreciate this morning's message. So if you would, make sure that you have a Bible. If you see someone near you that doesn't have one, if you could share, you could help, make sure that they're able to uh, see the Scriptures. This time of year, it's such a, a vitally important memory that we have of the time that Jesus Christ entered into this world. At Christmas time, the thing that we acknowledge, that we see, that we try to remember is that undiminished deity took on the garb of humanity so that depravity might be rendered savable. That's what Christmas is about. You know, I saw that uh, in Times Square, an atheist group has put up a sign that you don't need Christ to have a good Christmas. You don't need Christ to have a good Christmas. That's like saying you could have Thanksgiving without thanks. What would you end up with? Nothing. Nothing. What is Christ? What is Christmas without Christ? What do you have? Nothing. An empty, meaningless gathering. You know, as we look at the world, we can, we as Christians, we we look out at the outside world and we see it devolving into a, a worse and worse nightmare of depravity. And it seems like just common sense and general and basic morality, just right and wrong. They, they seem to be items of a, of a bygone age. But we need to understand that when Jesus Christ came, it was much worse. When Jesus Christ entered into the world, the Bible says that it was a time of darkness, that into the darkness came light, came light. And this morning, what I want us to look at, what I want us to focus on is how he came. I want us to think about the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. I think, now how many of you here would call yourselves Christians today? You'd call yourself a Christian. How many of you, you're not awake enough yet to know whether or not you're a Christian this morning? Would you hold your hand up? Okay. Now listen, uh, how many of you are thankful that Jesus Christ came? And I think all of us who would identify ourselves as Christians, now you might be here this morning and you're not a Christian. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You might not believe this, but that's what we're going to look at from the scriptures. Every person who would, would identify themselves as a Christian, they believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. But if you asked the average Christian to defend that from the Scriptures, they, they would be very hard-pressed to do so. And as pastor at Grace Baptist Church, I would sure hate it if someone asked a member of Grace Baptist Church, why do you believe in the virgin birth of Christ? And they were not able to answer. I would think that I, as a pastor, would be a complete and utter failure. Because honestly, the purpose of the church service is not to make you feel better. It's not to have a rah, 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 jam for the lamb, have a great time. The purpose of the church service is to bring glory and honor to the Lord and to study 
His Word. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you would identify yourself as a worshiper of Jesus Christ today? Would you raise your hand? You understand that part of that worship is your submission to the Word of God. Part of that worship is your attention, your attentiveness to the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Would you all agree with that? I wish you could see what I'm seeing. <laughs> Somebody just went... <laughs> no, this is... I hope by the time I'm done that you're more like, Hallelujah! I can't believe... He did this for us. Do you understand that there are people living in darkness all around the world who've never heard what I'm about to tell you? They've never heard it. They've never had the opportunity to hear it. And it becomes so trite and so easy for us that we forget that God did an amazing miracle that we celebrate around Christmas time. So, the first thing that I want us to look at is why was the virgin birth necessary? Why was it necessary? Romans chapter 5, look at verse 12. Romans 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon who? All men, for that all have sinned. Why was the virgin birth necessary? Because you and I, we're sinners. Every man who has ever been born in the world is a sinner, except Jesus Christ. That is the reason for the virgin birth. Now, how many of you believe that God has the ability to save? He does. But look what the Bible says about that. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at verse 22. For as in Adam all die. Now, what does that mean? As in Adam all die. Well, we just looked in Romans, for as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. If you are in this world, you go back to your father, Adam. How many people do we have here today? Two people here today? Three? How many, how many people do we have here today? If you're, if you're a, a people, would you? Okay. That means that you go back to the first person. All of us are descendants of Adam. Is that true? And Adam sinned. And what happened when Adam sinned is he died spiritually. And eventually he died physically. And since Adam died, every person in the world who has ever been born has died, except for a very few. Adam took Elijah up to heaven. Adam took Enoch up to heaven. How cool is that? The Bible says, And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Can you imagine? My dad said it this way. Uh, Enoch was walking with the Lord, and Enoch said, uh, Lord, it's getting late. I should head home. God said, My house is closer. Let's go there. <laughs> Enoch... He, he, he went up to be with the Lord. He was translated. Uh, uh, Elijah in the chariot of fire. I want one of those chariots of fire. Would that be, Now, I know some of you who have driven with me, you think that I already have one. 
but I think that would be... How many of you like going fast? you like, oh, that is awesome. You need a chariot of fire to go fast. I, that would be so cool. But other than that, every person who's ever entered into the world has died. They've died. So the, the text says here in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, as in Adam all die. But look at what it says next. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. Are you Christ's? You know what the Bible says about a believer? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Are you Christ's? How do you become Christ's when you take advantage of the sacrifice, the payment that he made for you? That's how you become Christ's. But look at verse 21. I want you to see something. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. So here's what the Bible says. Man brought sin into the world. Is that right? Romans 5.12. For as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. Well, here the Bible says that by man comes the resurrection of the dead. What man? Jesus Christ. The only problem is, why did we need the virgin birth? Well, we all need a sinner. We're, a sinner. We all need... If you need a sinner, just look to your right or your left. You're okay. Pull out a mirror. We need a Savior because we're all sinners. The Bible says that it needed to be a man. Look at Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. <clears throat> Look what the Bible says. Verse 28. I'm afraid of all my sorrows. I know that thou wilt not hold me innocent. If I be wicked, why then labor I in vain? If I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, yet shalt thou plunge me in the ditch and mine own clothes shall abhor me. Why? For he is not a man, speaking of God, for he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him and that we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Let him take his rod away from me and let me not fear and let not, not his fear terrify me. Then would I speak and not fear him, but it is not so with me. Here's what Job understood. God's not a man. God is not a man. What is God? God's a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The Bible says that sin entered the world by a man, but it's going to require a man to rise from the dead. It's going to require a man to pay for sin. But God's not a man. See, we understand that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. How many of you understand Jesus Christ came to save sinners? Job didn't know that. Why? Because Jesus hadn't come to save sinners. God had not become a man. That's why we need the virgin birth. Do you remember what happened? Go back to Genesis chapter 3. The virgin birth. 
Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Remember, the first thing Satan does in the Bible is question God's word. Yea, hath God said. And satanic people have questioned the scriptures ever since. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, God hadn't told him not to touch it. He said, Just don't eat it. Yet the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. There's a lie, isn't it? For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You know, ever since then, people want to be gods. They think they're their own gods. Am I right? Well, that's from Satan. Is that from God or is that from Satan? That's from Satan. Look at what it says in verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, the only three places Satan has, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And ever since then, men have been trying to do good works and find a way to cover themselves before a righteous and holy God, but it didn't work. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and from amongst the trees of the garden. So now, uh, look up here at me for a minute. I want you to think about something. If you don't believe in creation... If you don't believe in the biblical account of origins, then Christmas means nothing to you. If you don't believe that there was a literal Adam and a literal Eve who ate of the forbidden fruit and sinned and so brought death into the world, if you don't believe that, then there's no reason for a virgin birth. There's no need for God to become a man. There's no reason for it. And that's why Satan's attack is always on the truth of the Word of God and on God's authority in your life because of creation. Why do you think there's all these myths in the world about how the world came into being? You know, whether it was uh, some great God who, uh, through, through in, in Hinduism, who in all of their different mythologies of the way that it happened, all of those things, or the amazing myth that one day a monkey became a man. It doesn't matter which crazy religious myth you hold to. They all come from Satan. They all come from Satan, the father of lies. Why? Because if the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis aren't true, then the rest of the Bible's not true. This is a, a real man, Adam. Jesus believed he was a real man. Paul believed he was a real man. We must believe he's a real man. The Bible says, for by faith, in Romans chapter 11, by, or Hebrews chapter 11, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Out of nothing. Then the same chapter he says, if you're going to come to God, it's got to be by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
If you come to Him, it's got to be by faith, believing that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Either you take, come by faith and you believe who God is or you don't. And part of believing who God is is that what He recorded in the book of Genesis is true. And if that's true, then what He says about you is true. And so God comes to walk with Adam in the cool of the day and to fellowship with him and to speak with him and to have communion with him. And look what the Bible says in verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Where have I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you think God didn't know the answer? I think of this little boy. How many of you saw the video of the little boy that had eaten the sprinkles? How many of you have seen this? It's a little boy. He's in the pantry or whatever, and there's this thing of sprinkles there, and a bunch of them are gone. And he's probably two. Sprinkles everywhere. I can't remember his name. Jacob? (laughs) Did you eat the sprinkles? I did not. Are you sure you didn't eat those sprinkles? I can just, mom, just trying not to laugh, I'm sure. Are you sure you didn't eat those? I did not. But they're gone. They're not all gone. Now, when mom was asking the question, did she know the answer? You understand that's how we look to God? It's so interesting. I heard Paul Chappell say one time, accusations harden the will, but questions stimulate the conscience. Who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the fruit? And look at what Adam says. And the man said, the woman. Adam's walking by the garden. The angels are posted there. His kids say, Dad, what's that? He said, well, that's where we used to live. Why don't we live there anymore? Mom made us out of house and home. (laughs) And he said, who told thee? that thou wast naked. Sorry, let's drop down. And he said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And people have been making excuses ever since. If only I'd been raised in a different home. If only I lived in a different country. If only the Christians that I knew weren't so evil. If only, if only, if only God, I would believe in you. But, 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 but. Then. Verse 14. Or verse 13. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Now, let me ask you a question. Was it Satan's fault that she sinned? Whose fault was it? Hers. Was it Eve's fault, the woman? Now, she's not called Eve until she has a child. She's just the woman. The the woman, was it 
her fault that Adam sinned? No. No individual responsibility, individual accountability. Do you know who's responsible for you? It's the person with your socks on today. It's you. That's what the Bible says. Then look at what it says in verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast... Notice he doesn't ask the serpent anything. Isn't that interesting? And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. You know when Jesus Christ re, he recreates the world in the millennium? It's destroyed through the tribulation period. Remember, a third of the, green, a, a third of the trees, a, a third of the water, all of the green grass, it's all destroyed. Stars fall from the heaven. The days are shortened. All of the water is, is bad. The world is destroyed. Jesus Christ comes back and He recreates it. He heals the land. He makes the lion to lie down with the lamb. He makes the little child to play with the adder and the asp. And yet, that snake still crawls on his belly and eats the dust even in the millennium. Why? This is an eternal curse on the serpent. An eternal curse on the serpent. So now what do we see? We see that in Adam all die. It's going to require a man, and yet God is not a man. Now sin has entered into the world, and God is going to judge sin. Look at Genesis chapter 3, and look at what it says. In verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. This is the serpent. And between thy seed. So the serpent is going to have seed. And her seed. And her seed. Now, I want you to think about something. Uh, We don't need to go into any detail on this. But every person that's ever been born into the world comes through the, a, a man's seed. Every person that's ever been born into this world comes through a man's seed. Amen? Everyone. So what in the world is this talking about? What in the world is this passage talking about? Uh, then look at what it says. He shall bruise thy head. Apparently people aren't looking at their Bibles. Look at, you, look at the Bible. Look at the Bible. What does it say? He shall bruise thy head. Is that what it says? What does it say? Isn't that an odd construction? It? What, what in the world is that talking about? It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So there's going to be a... a, a the, the serpent is going to bruise the seed of woman... Jesus Christ was bruised on the cross. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, speaking of Jesus Christ. Is that right? So he's going to be bruised, but ultimately, this seed of woman is going to crush the serpent's head. Mortal wound, destroy him. All right? So what what do we see here? Uh, Man sinned. God is providing hope. One day in the future, there would be a man walking on this earth that would not be from Adam's seed, be from the seed of woman. One day, this was going to happen. 
It's an amazing promise. But then it shall bruise thy head. So we're looking for two things. We're looking for a man born without a man. And we're looking for an it to strike a decisive blow against the serpent. Go to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. We're going to pick this up. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. We're going to need a virgin birth. Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a young woman shall conceive and bear a son. What's the Bible say? Now, some Bible translations here will say a young woman. How many of you think that a young woman conceiving is much of a sign? It's only happened about 11 billion times in the history of the world. That's not much of a sign. How many of you think a virgin conceiving would be a sign? Can, let's, can we just... Everybody look up here at me for a second. Can we just put a parenthesis here? I'm going to start a parenthesis. I'm going to make a statement. We'll close it up in a minute. We need a new emphasis on virginity in our country. We're going to see the significance of that in a minute. I wonder, I wonder if that's something that's important to you young people. I promise you it's important to your mom and dad. When you think about that, we have a culture that's against it. Is that right? We as believers need to emphasize it until marriage. We're going to see that in a minute. Okay, now, let's go back to this. The Bible says here, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. She's going to be with child without a human father. This would be a baby that did not come from the seed of a man. That's unusual. Is that right? That's what's coming. This speaks of a child entering into the world who would not be the product of human reproduction. What is this telling us? God didn't forget His promise. From all the way back in Genesis 3.15, He has not forgotten His promise. This child is going to come. And we're going to see the significance of the Emmanuel a little bit later. Go to chapter 9 in verse 6. For unto us a child is born. I want you to think about a baby announcement. Okay? Bob and Susie Smith gave birth to a little boy named Thorogood. Right? That's kind of the... I was at a Starbucks and, uh, in Florida with Dalt Robertson. And he said... Uh, they asked for his name. And he said, Thorogood. And the guy looked at me and said, what's your name? I said, Beaufort. And this guy, just like that, said, I'm going to need to see some ID. <laughs> it's really funny. But I, I want you to think about, I want you to think about what the text says. So it, when, when Laura and I had Lydia, I don't know if there was an announcement or not, but if we had one, it would have said, 
they had this child. Or someone might say, God gave them a child. What is this for unto us? This is a birth announcement to the world. This is a child that God brought into the world for all of us. Isn't that interesting? This child, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. You see, the Son of God existed before the birth. That's significant. Now, then look at what the Bible says. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. So he's going he's to rule. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Look at this, the Mighty God. The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So this child is going to come who's going to be Mighty God and Everlasting Father. How can a child be the Everlasting Father? I'm my own grandpa. How, how does this work? Only God can do this. How many of you understand how God became a man? How many of you really comprehend God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? It's a mystery of godliness. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. It's a mystery. We can't, only God can do this. Then look at what it says. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So look at, so not only is he going to reign, but he's going to reign forever. And upon his kingdom, in order to judge it and to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. How is this baby going to do this? It's going to have to be something very special that only God can do. He'll reign forever. That's curious. Look at Micah. Micah. Chapter 5 and verse 2. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. What kind of child? God said all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 that, that this child would be of the seed of woman, so there'd be a child without use of the male seed, and then the, the Bible says that it's going to be an it, an it thing. How is this going to happen? Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But thou, o Beth, but thou Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, look at this, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting, from everlasting. So here is the one that's going to be born in Bethlehem whose goings forth have been from everlasting. He doesn't have a beginning. He's born, but he doesn't have a beginning. How does that happen? Only God can do that. Only God. But we've got a problem. Go to Jeremiah chapter 22. Jeremiah 22. Verse 24. Here we have a king in the line of David. Jeremiah 22, look at verse 24. As I live, saith the Lord, though Kaniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, uh, were the signet upon my right hand, yet would I pluck thee thence. So he'd take that signet and he'd throw it away. He says, and I will give thee into the hand of them that seek thy life and into the hand of them whose face thou fearest, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans, and I will cast thee out 
and thy mother that bare thee into another country where ye were not born, and there shall ye die. But to the land whereunto they desire to return, thither shall they not return. Is this man Kaniah a despised broken idol? Is he a vessel wherein is no pleasure? Wherefore are they cast out, he and his... What's it say? Seed are cast out into a land whither or which they know not. O earth, 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 hear the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper, sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. What is God saying? Because of the wickedness, because of the sin, no man from the seed of Kaniah is going to sit on the throne of David. Now we have a problem. Because this is the only line that God has promised. That the Messiah would come through. So what is this text telling us? This passage seems to destroy any hope of a coming king from the seed of David. God, because they are so corrupt, precludes any from this seed of being king. The only way God can fulfill each of His promises and honor the word of judgment He has just spoken is if someone comes into this world whose genealogy can be traced through Kaniah's line, but whose seed does not come from the men of that line. The child will be born of Kaniah's family, but not of his seed. So what does God do? Matthew chapter 1. We come to the Christmas story. Why a virgin birth? Now, how many of you are familiar with the Christmas story? All right, let's try to read it with fresh eyes. Let's try to read it understanding what God has promised and the condition of the world. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, how many of you understand that that's a problem? Right? Now, this is something that... that here, we'll read on and then I'll make a comment on it. Okay? Then Joseph, verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Look at me for a minute. He's a just man. Why was he going to put her away? Because he didn't want a wife that had been defiled. That's not a problem anymore. Do you know the only woman that was to wear a white dress at her wedding was a virgin? Do you realize how much that's been diminished in our culture? You see, Joseph was heartbroken because in his mind, his, his espoused wife, his, the woman that he was engaged to, had been defiled. Now, I understand that our culture would say, well, that was just back in a day when women were property and all of that garbage. Muslims! No, 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 no. This was a day where Joseph was a just man. And he expected his wife to be pure. And young ladies, you ought to expect your future husband to be pure. 
My friend Mark Rasmussen says, pure for pure. Pure for pure. Joseph was a just man. He was going to put her away because she had been defiled by a man. But that's not what had happened. Look at verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you something? You might want to write down in your Bible right there next to that. This is new. This has never happened before. Never in the history of the world was there a child conceived of the Holy Ghost. This is something completely new, completely foreign, completely impossible to a mind, to a human's comprehension. Only God can do this. Now look at verse 21. And she brought forth a son, or and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. You know what you ought to write next to that? This is new. Do you know that's not in the Old Testament? Jesus Christ is in the Old Testament. The Lord is on every page, and the prophecy of the Lord is on every page. Amen? But this idea of the humanity of God is something completely new. That's what God was doing. Thou shalt call His name Jesus. Remember, Jesus is his, the name of, uh, for His humanity. The Lord is, is His identity as God. And Christ is his identity as the anointed Messiah. Jesus is the... Uh, what would his parents have called him? Jesus. That's his earthly name. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Finally, there will be a Savior. Finally, there will be a Savior. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Do you know that that which being interpreted is not in the Old Testament? The understanding of God being with his people in human flesh was something they couldn't comprehend. What is this? This is a virgin birth. Go to Luke chapter 1. Remember, it shall bruise thy head. Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 34. Look at verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, unto a, what? A virgin. Espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. What is repetition in the Bible? It's God's volume control. You need to understand the condition of this young lady. She was pure. She was a pure young lady. Then look at what it says. Uh, verse 28. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled. Wouldn't you be? At his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. I want you to think about it. You young, you girls, you young ladies. Somebody walks up to you and says, Oh, Kayla, blessed art thou among women. Huh? What's up with this dude? Would that be weird? 
Yeah. I think she's used to it. She's yeah, all the time. <laughs> um, so it goes on. When she saw him, she was troubled, verse 29, at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Thou shalt call his name God? What's it say? Is she the mother of God, or is she the mother of Jesus? See, the pagan mythology, the heresy of Mary being the mother of God would mean that she would have had to have been existing in eternity because His goings forth have been from everlasting. You see, she gave birth to Jesus, His human vessel, not His Godhood. Look at what it says. They shall call His name Jesus. shall call His name Jesus. Verse 32. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord shall give unto Him the throne of His father David. And He shall reign over the house of Jacob. How long? Forever. And of His kingdom there shall be no end. So what does He promise? This is the fulfillment of all of those promises in one person, the virgin birth of Isaiah 7, the throne rights of Isaiah 9, the conception without a man, Genesis 3, the eternal nature of the child, Micah 5, 2, his being the offspring of God, not of Kaniah, as required by Jeremiah chapter 22. It's all being fulfilled here in Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 34. And Mary said unto the angel, How's this going to work? How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. You might want to write down next to that. This is new. It never happened before. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy, what's it say? Thing. It shall bruise thy head. What is the idea? of this holy thing, of the it. God is a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You cannot touch a spirit. You can't hold a spirit. A spirit has no extension in space. You say, how many angels could dance on the head of a pin? All of them, they have no extension in space. They're spirits. They can take on flesh, but they are spirits. I want you to think about something. Think about this. That's the significance of the virgin birth. The it. What did Jesus say in John chapter 14? I go to prepare a miasmic, ethereal existence. You know, uh, we have established for us in the cartoons when, when Sylvester the cat runs in front of a car and gets killed, he floats up to heaven on a cloud playing a harp. And so we have this conception in our mind of heaven being this ethereal, non-material something. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place. That's a physical place. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Is that what the Bible says? 
a physical place that He's going to take us to. It's a place, a physical thing that He is creating. That physical thing that that exists now is going to be destroyed. The heavens and earth, they're going to flee away and He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. You see, God for us has established something that is tangible, touchable. And in Christ, the it was something that became beatable, whippable, pierceable, nailable, buryable. That's the it. That holy thing. What is the holy thing that God created in Mary? What is that holy thing? Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of those things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Those sacrifices couldn't make them perfect. They didn't have the image. Who's the image? Jesus. For then, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. The sacrifice had to happen year after year after year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, Jesus... He saith, sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not, but a body, a thing, it, hast thou prepared me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Look at verse 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Why did we need the virgin birth? For as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all had sinned. The Bible says for as in Adam all die and Jesus Christ all live. How is that going to happen? For as death came by one man so by a man comes resurrection. God had to have an it. A thing. A man who had never sinned A man, a man who could come from the line of David without the seed of Adam. How can that happen? From the line of Adam without the seed of Adam. How could that happen? A virgin birth. That's the reason for the virgin birth. Are you saved today? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you believe that God became a man and lived a sinless life because you deserve a Christless eternity in hell? If you believe that and you've asked Christ to save you, praise God. That's what Christmas is about. If you've not, this could be the greatest Christmas you've ever had. Where you humble yourself and you bow. You know what the Bible says? Remember Philippians? 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, right? Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man and humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Listen. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. It's a new name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth. Now look. Eventually you're going to acknowledge that Jesus, the God-man, is Lord. You're going to do it as you enter into eternity with Christ, or you're going to do it as you enter into the lake of fire and eternal punishment and torment forever. You're going to acknowledge Him as Jesus the Lord. Wouldn't it be better to do it first? At the name of Jesus. That's the it. That's the holy thing. That's the God-man. That's the reason for the virgin birth. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we are so humbled by the truth of the Scriptures.